Pay your dues and sew your name patch on your jacket. It's time for the 27 Club, the world's only podcast about the group so exclusive you have to die to get in. Hosted by your fan club president, Pete, and the treasurer, PJ. Man, you kind of demote me to treasurer, and then also you rob me of me being able to say my own name. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot we used to do that. Sorry, What do you mean used to do that? That's what we do. It's not like a used to do it thing. It's this episode. That do we do just... that in the Twenty Seven Club? I, since our intros changed, yes. You know we are so many episodes in, and I gotta say, I still feel like our intro hasn't quite found its footing yet. But that maybe that's be. just on me. That's probably this is me. the first one you you've asked for my help with. It's the first one I've I've definitely struggled writing and like even yeah. finding the right song for. You know, all of it was like a little bit tougher than the last the last two that we've done, but. Do you think it's maybe because we found a song after we you wrote the thing? Whereas like the other ones, we no. decided on a theme song oh. and then you wrote the thing, you know? I don't think it makes no. I don't I don't think so. But okay. maybe. I don't think the other two I don't think either of those songs helped me write the thing at all. No, that's not true. The Beach Boys thing, I'm almost positive I wrote the Beach Boys intro before we came up with the song. Because remember, right before we recorded our first episode, we sat there together at your dining room table and went through like the six songs we were thinking about. Yeah. And I'm, I'm positive I had already written the Baggies okay. and Waraches thing. Yeah. That makes sense. I know we, we decided on a Stone song before yeah. you wrote the thing. That's true. Because you're like, just, I don't know which one. It to varies do, so. with every podcast. We're so unique, you know. That's true. That's yeah. right. We're the, I mean, we're the only podcast I'm aware of that, like, changes themes this consistently. I would say, like, every other... Yeah, and... Sp- I can only think of, of one that. other one where it's, like, the same show, but they change kind of what's it, what it's about every, like, season, quote-unquote, or, you know, every... Serial. Every few... Every series. Yeah, that's true. Serial. Okay, that's two. All right, I can think of two. <laughs> what's the other one? Uh, I won't name it because it's one that is... Basically, you we're me. we're almost. You gotta cut that out. Yeah. We are almost oh, copying them. Yeah. We're basically copying them. So like I, yeah, I don't feel comfortable saying, but it's the direct inspiration for this podcast. So and would you say you're more of the Adam or more of the? <laughs> Which we're God are we're cutting you? all this out, right? Yeah, I, think I have it. to be the God just because I um. You look more like him. Yeah, exactly. He's he's yeah. one of my very few celebrity lookalikes. Um. Yeah. Plus, I, I have more of that dry, sarcastic humor. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Nick Thune. I just saw he showed up in something the other day that we were watching, and it was a real holy shit. Nick Thune. I forgot he existed. Oh, oh it was Nick an Thune. old show, so it would have been when he was like very famous. It would have, you know like 2012, 2013 is when he was like a guest on hmm. uh, this show called Happy Endings that Shelby and I just watched, and. Uh. Um, he was like in one episode and it was a real, it felt like a real blast from the past because I th- forgot he existed. And then the other day I was walking down a street here in old Portland town, old foggy Portland town. And I saw like some club had Nick Thune up as like a person coming in the next couple months. Yeah. And He's I still, yeah, I mean, I guess I just, I know we listened to his podcast within oh. the last few years. Yeah. But I guess that was pre-pandemic. I'm like, since the pandemic, I really feel like I have, I forgot that Nick Thune existed, so. 
My yeah. my podcast has... rotation cut down to the. Well, and they stopped doing it. Um, yeah, exactly. So like, I just kind of if, forgot about them. If you've not listened to, um, do you, do you know, know who, who Jason, Jason Siegel is? is? It's maybe my favorite podcast of all time. It's a pretty yeah. short run. I think there's only like 36 episodes, but I think I've listened yeah. to it's through all of them like two, three a, times. Such a well done podcast. We should look up who's the other guy, Brendan Walsh. He does he a podcast like, now with his wife. Okay, I'm like, we should Google him. Brendan Walsh just always seemed like the kind of guy who was going to get canceled. No, he's fine. Okay, I mean, that's good, and I, I like him. He's a funny guy. He just also seems like one of those comedians who's like, I can say whatever I want because it's funny, and I'm making a joke in a way where it's like, when is when is this guy going to say something really inappropriate and defend himself? See, I think <laughs> the way in which he does jokes, though, where yeah. you know he's like not a monster right like you know he's just like a very normal dude kind of like then us. he's saying these things exactly like us we <laughs> can like talk this about show where how i make we way too many women. january 6 jokes <laughs> in a way that even makes me feel uncomfortable by the end of the joke but you know Pete, it's that's a really good cover-up all in calling service them jokes the now you know <laughs> yeah it's really good to, like exactly because if the fbi ever listens to this God. they won't know you were there it's literally only funny because we're in a good four years, and it's like if if things go sideways in twenty twenty four, it's gonna be so not funny again. Yeah. So oh well. Um, well, PJ, it's good to see you. Uh, how have you How have you been, man? It's been a while since we've recorded. Yeah, I mean, it will be like nothing three ever happened to the listeners. True. But it's been a week or two since uh, Pete and I recorded. I think it's been almost three weeks because we recorded. Like at a weird time, the last time we did. Yeah, it. it's been quite a while. Um, well, you know, I got a cast iron skillet, and that's been taking up pretty good. Oh, chunk sure. Of time. Yeah. So, PJ, what is your? This is every good podcast has to cover. How do you season your cast iron skillet, my good man? Or are you one of those people who doesn't believe it needs to be seasoned, and you just use soap and water on it like a uh, like a normal person? Well, or like see, a normal I, pan. And I, I do a hybrid. I wash it mm. with soap and water, and then I leave the soap and water residue. I don't rinse it again, and then yes. I stick that in the oven. That's smart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cook the soap in. So then it's kind of self-cleaning. Yeah. People don't realize. Exactly. But when you cook it next, like that soap will come out. The heat will bring it out. Uh, and then yeah. once after you eat, then it's like then the soaps, you know, it's out there. So then it's actually kind of scrubbing, scrubbing bubbles away. Yeah. Right. And then I don't got to brush my teeth anymore either. That's good. That's kind of how I clean like my bathroom sometimes is I'll spray yeah. the scrubbing bubbles all over the bathroom. And then you, if you just leave it for a couple days, it just kind of goes away. Yeah. And it's hey, like Pete, it, it eats it they, away. They work so you don't have to. Yeah, exactly. Those bubbles, so, they scrub so hard. They scrub yeah. for you. Yeah. So, well, well PJ, been, that's, Pete? that's good to hear. I'm so oh. glad your, your kitchen game is taking a step up. I, yeah. uh, similarly, I recently got, um, uh, one of those mini pans that you can just cook one egg in. Oh, yeah, those super convenient ones. Yeah, I've been using it to make mini paninis for lunch, and um, it doesn't... <laughs> it honestly doesn't work that well. Well, it's just a lot of wasted bread, because I couldn't find a loaf of bread that was that small. And Shelby was right. like, just use English muffins, you idiot. And I was like, no, because it's not the right bread. I need it different. You know, it won't really yeah, I need grill. panini bread. Yeah. Correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I actually think might be ciabatta. So English muffins would work pretty well. But I refuse to let her be right. 
So yeah. I've just been taking, I get a full loaf of bread and then I take it out of the packaging, but still stacked. I put it on top of the pan so you can kind of see. And then I flip it right. over and then I take my jigsaw and then just cut in a circle around it and Good. then put yeah. the circle, the small circle loaf back in the bag to use throughout the week to make my Well, you had to get panis. the extra long blade for the mm-hmm. for your jigsaw that was about yeah. the size of a loaf of bread. Exactly. Um, so, and then the rest of that stuff just gets thrown in the backyard. Um, I think unrelated, we've been having like a, a big squirrel, coyote, raccoon problem, but yeah, they just, it's kind of a party yard now, I think. Um, yeah. What the hell is a squirrel, coyote, raccoon? Oh, you haven't seen one of those? Okay. So they have, apparently they have them up here in, um, in Oregon. I'd never seen them before either, but it's basically a coyote that got in a fight. So it has a couple of black eyes. And lost some of its teeth, so it's just got the little buck teeth in the front. And uh-huh. people call, yeah. So it's the coyote. They're they're intense up here, man. Like people talk about them in LA a lot, and you think it's yeah. kind of a California thing, like a warm weather place. Yeah. But really, it's like then the the ones who get beat up, and you know they get pushed up here. Yeah. So they go up to Cold Beach. Exactly up to the Cold Beach. From hot beach to Cold Beach, the story of my life. <laughs> That's my memoir. The, Pe- name. the Peter Peterson yeah. story. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's been my week too. Um, and the paninis I'm making, it's, it's not one you would think of grilling, but I think they're really excellent. I've just been making cucumber sandwiches, like little tea sandwiches, oh, yeah, but that's grilling them. Really fit on there. Yeah. So like hot mayonnaise and cucumber is so, it's so good, man. You know, just like heat it up and like get it yeah, inside this just crunchy bread. Gooey, mm-hmm. just gooey yeah. and falling apart. Yeah. And then you drink that with some hot tea and, oh. Yeah. greatest lunch you know so. the interesting thing about you making a panini on a cast iron skillet is i feel like usually uh people press paninis oh well you get two pans okay. so i get Heat yeah so then i put it yeah, yeah. I, I i start cooking it on the small on the the little egg pan and then i get the other little egg pan and press it down on top right okay um no understood, so I, understood. yeah exactly yeah. so well pj do you want to start talking about janice joplin yeah, Pete, I do. I just looked at our time, and I was like, have it we already been talking for like 40 minutes? But Peek behind the curtain. We talked for so long, we kept saying, and we're going to start in like two minutes. And we yeah. talked for like a full half hour, so our record, our recording file is already so much so much bigger than it needs to be. But So it, we did a lot of talking beforehand, so we feel ready to jump into it. So Yeah, if you're like, wow, they didn't dick yeah. around for a long time. Well, this time. Yeah, we yeah. got all our, our all our really good jokes out of the way already. Exactly. Um it actually took us half an hour just to come up with that little intro. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, if you hit a hole in one, you don't keep golfing. That's you true. <laughs> Wait, do you just end after that one hole? <laughs> I think you uh, do is that not golfing. how golf works? There's well, there's more than one hole, so if you hit a hole in one on one hole, you would just go to the next hole. My girlfriend tells me there's only one hole I can use. I assume she was talking about golf. Do you think... Oh, my God. Whenever I say you need to edit this out, you never do. So I guess I just won't even ask you to. But do you think there's some very religious people out there who call it a hole-in-one when they only have sex one time and then get pregnant off of that? Like, they don't need to try oh, more than yeah. once. So Absolutely. Then, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't have to sin any more than, than that they... That baby... Uh, first baby, hole-in-one. Second baby, eagle. Yeah. <laughs> 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 took, took two over par to get there. <laughs> um, 
You said that I don't edit it out when you say, please edit this out. You but almost do. never do. You That's not true. I guess I, I just forget the ones you actually do edit out. There's at least two or three per episode oh, that you nice say, idea. you're going to have to I edit this out. That. And I leave one in. And I oh, think okay. that's more than fair. It's generous. I mean, hey, yeah. as someone who literally doesn't understand how to edit an audio file, yeah. you, hold all the, you hold all the cards. You have all this the This is power. true. Yeah. PJ I've likes to make me text him and beg him throughout the week. He's like, <laughs> I have to call myself a little bitch. I have to, you yeah. know. Yeah, he, he makes me do him. ass worship over his OnlyFans <laughs> <laughs> for me to get the files edited the way I want. Yeah. Well, I'm, I, I, you know, it starts with one. I'm just mm-hmm. trying to get a big following on my OnlyFans. Mm-hmm. I, if, if I have one, I'm hoping you're spreading the word right. about it. I'm going word of mouth only. Um, yeah. So it's a real grassroots OnlyFans operation. I've got Do you think going. some OnlyFans people think it's like Mary Kay or something where you're supposed to ask your family and friends first? <laughs> yeah. They just said, you get a Facebook message from a cousin you don't talk to very much. And they're like, hey, I just started an OnlyFans. Yeah. Cool. Why don't you hop on there and support me a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. I also keep threatening to pull a Property Brothers on you and dox you. Yeah. Do you think I, if I we dox the Property Brothers now, we would also dox Zoe Deschanel? I think we'd have to. Yeah. I think I so. I mean, too. look, she and him, as a music podcast, I think we can unequivocally say she and him, one of the worst bands on earth. So, eh, just one of the most forgettable bands on earth. Let's put it that way. I don't think they're bad. I just think like just so bland as to like not even be. If they didn't exist, nothing would be different. I think I would have one less Christmas song on a Christmas playlist somewhere. <laughs> I think that that's the only difference that Here's she my and thing. him not existing would. I think M Ward is incredibly talented. Um, oh sure, give all the credit to the man. Yeah, well, his name stands for Man Ward. Um, but it's just, like, too of its time. Like, you it's know it was recorded in 2011, 2012. Yeah. And, like, and I liked it then. Now I listen to it, and I'm like, oh, this is back in the days where, like, people thought mustaches were really funny, you know? Someone thought Bell and Sebastian, but American, was a great idea. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Boy, do I hate Bell and Sebastian, though. <laughs> you know, I actually think Bell and Sebastian are way older than that. I just wasn't aware they of them are. until, like, high school. But they're from, like, the 90s. Like, that was, they were really big in, like, I think the turn of the 90s into the 2000s, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, do you think the Deschanel sister, the younger one, was just fucking pissed when that band started and got famous? Where it's like, really? She's the more famous movie star? And she has a fucking singing career now, too? And I'm struggling I'm to make it on Bones or whatever? Yeah. 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 Like that's all people know me for and yet she gets two big things. Ridiculous. Are you talking about her tits? Look, she got to she got to fuck Joseph Gordon-Levitt in a shower. Come on, man. Well, you could just ask him. That's I true. He's, we know he's, he's addicted open. to sex, so yeah. Yeah. He doesn't care. He saw do anything. He, he made that Don John movie, so. That's what I'm saying, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So PJ Janis Joplin <laughs> Those are the kind of transitions we're known for. <laughs> so, anyway. Big Brother in the Holder. We're checking back in with Big Brother. Um, amazing that they're still around. 
So Big Brother and the Holding Company yeah. <laughs> are chugging along at this point. Their first album came out. It was a moderate success. They're really more known at this point for Monterey Pop Yeah. Um, when that movie came out in, in 1968. And also just known for really Janis Joplin's voice. So right. they get some spots on East Coast tours. Uh, in 1968, too, they play. They're on the bill for like an MLK after Martin Luther King is assassinated. Uh, they're on an MLK like, um, uh, what would you call it? like kind of memorial show with a bunch of bands. Uh, okay. They're on that Real bill. Quick, Peter, yeah, I'm gonna look up a picture of them and see how many of them are white. Oh, all of them. You should look up the bill for the MLK memorial thing. Actually, I yeah. can look that up. I think. Oh yeah. Oh, no. So all white people. Um, okay, okay. Um, MLK Memorial, 1968, was something like I that. assume. Yeah. Was it a tour? I think it was just a one-off show in New York, maybe. Honestly, I'm pretty sure it was just on the Big Brother Wikipedia page. You could try that. Okay. If it's not Big showing up. Brother and the... I think they list some other bands because it was like, it was a big deal kind of because they were on the bill with like much more famous bands, you know, early at the moment. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's see. Command F. M. Martin. Nope. MLK. Nope. King. Oh, break King up. Oh, I got it. It's on Janis Joplin's Wikipedia. Sorry. Ah, okay. Jimi Hendrix, Buddy Guy, Joni Mitchell, Richie Havens, Paul Butterfield, and Elvin Bishop. Which I had no okay. idea Elvin Bishop was that old. Oh, yeah. I thought he didn't um, start until the early 70s. Well, I mean, I think he was... I mean, it's crazy to me that he was that famous that early on, but, you know. Right. Um, Anyhow. So, okay, they have a decent amount of not-white people playing yeah. that show. I just think it's interesting that they didn't get, like... Maybe in all black. Um, I mean, there probably were. Know. Like that was just one show. I'm sure there were many different shows. Happening. Oh, you know so this I mean? wasn't like, like in. It I don't think it was. They had quote unquote the show. Of. I think it was just a show. Yeah. Okay. Like, yeah, we're gonna get together, I, and do a concert, right. and probably raise some money for like, you know. Whatever. Okay, um, I thought it was like the show, and I was I don't like, think how? Because so. I would feel like yeah. it would be all like gospel music yeah that's what he listened to that's who he hung out with you know so 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 they play that show they make some tv appearances which you know again just janice being herself which i guess if people don't know this is basically all i knew janice joplin as before i started listening to her music recently yeah was that she was just like a crazy live singer like she would bounce over we talked about this a little bit on the last episode when we watched the monterey pop video just a lot of shaking, a lot of dancing, a lot of like kind of headbanging and whipping her hair around and stuff. Like, so that's kind of what they're getting known for. At some point during all this, the band's billing changes to Janis Joplin and Big Brother and the Holding Company um, instead of just Big Brother. Yeah. Um, so this starts a little bit of tension within the band, uh, if you couldn't guess. <laughs> if you've listened to our show before, you understand that band members be sensitive. I've heard um, that. Yeah. So some of the Big Brother guys are starting to feel like she is leaving them behind, like, you know, purposefully, like, you know, chasing her own kind of stardom and everything. 
and there's a lot of people outside the even their manager a little bit uh but like you know just other people outside the band pressuring janice to leave this shitty you know blues bar band um club band i guess um leave them behind because she's like way more talented than them so but who's she gonna have play the drums for yeah a lot of tension here so they start recording for their second album in spring of 68 after all this touring and stuff um they wanted to do a live album because that was what they're really known for with their live performances and as this like club band that got their start doing live jams and everything like they just big brother felt like that was their their groove was playing live and janice was like such a you know engaging live performer they thought they should do live stuff so they recorded a few shows in detroit um but it just didn't turn out there yes okay um their producer didn't like the sound of it, you know, so they decided to record in studio, but because this is the 1960s, they were going to make a fake live album instead. Oh, Jesus Christ. I know. Which so, we have talked about a few times with... Beach Boys did it. Stones did it. The Beach it. Boys did it. The Stones Jesus did it. Jesus Christ. And now Janis Joplin's doing it. Um, So they get Bill Graham from the Fillmore Auditorium um famous you know 1960s and 70s concert booker and promoter so they have him introduce them like and when we get to the track by track it's they really play it up to make it sound like it's live um so they they have fake crowd noise and background noise and like one song they have you know like literally fake sounds of like someone dropping a glass in a crowd and shit like just craziness it's weird that's the dumbest shit yeah they do have one actual the last song in the album is actually recorded live I guess it's the one they thought worked from their well, recordings. Well, two, right? I think just the one is what I got, but... Catch Me Daddy and Magic of Love are both live. Oh, well, those are off the extended version. Oh, I'm sorry. So the original... Yeah, no, the original track listing is just the seven songs, and Ball and Chain is the one live track. Um, but it's actually not from the Detroit performances. It's from a different recording, so unclear. Peter, I could have saved myself so much time if you had told me that. I... Spotify is the goddamn worst. I did that like the first two times I listened through the album, and then no, that's, uh, it's I like my started fault. reading the Wikipedia page to start yeah. kind of getting some background on it, and realized oh, it's only well, seven songs. Thank and that's God. what I did because those every... four extra kind of suck. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's what I did for every single Stones album. I know, man. They're all extended versions. You got it. You just got to check Wikipedia before you. Yeah, I know. It's yeah. annoying as shit. Well, and so I, I've yeah. just forgotten to do it for this, but. This is another reason Spotify needs to be canceled, I think. Yeah, the whole, yeah, making... Well, the Rolling Stones were a little bit better because they, most of the time with the Rolling Stones, it would either say in the title, like, deluxe version, or they would do two separate Spotify listings where it would be just the album, and then they'd have the extended version as a separate album. Um, The Rolling Stones were better at it, but they still, not all their albums were like that. The more recent ones the Rolling Stones did... Did that more like the tattoo yeah. you one you know was like 50 songs on the first disc right um, so anyway some of the problems with their live recordings so besides the quality not really being great um their producer uh do we ever get his name yeah john simon i don't think he'll come up again but just so we have a name um john simon he felt that the band was too sloppy live too so he wasn't a big fan of that okay. um and didn't feel, you know, like that made up for the energy of the live performance. But 
this was problematic in the studio because he, Simon was like very much a, so they're, I mean, they're signed to Columbia. They're, they work for a big record company now. Like this is a record company that turns out professional stuff. You know, they'll do entire recordings with just studio musicians and everything. So Mm -hmm. then you get these hippie psychedelic, you know, San Francisco guys in here who are like, what's tuning guitars? What is that? It sounds better out of tune because it's more real, man. Um, so they clash with John Simon a little bit. He feels like they're inept, basically. <laughs> and they well, feel they like might he just be. yeah. And he feels like he just doesn't get their grooviness, dude, or whatever hippies say. <laughs> so yeah. um yeah, so he like would get annoyed with them for, you know, not tuning correctly or like Janice would be singing out of tune and they're like, no, it's cool because it's, you know, raw energy or whatever. And so um, they would get annoyed. None of you are actually like good. Yeah, they would get annoyed when, you know, they had to do more than a couple takes of a song and they're like, it's fine. We we only sing it once live. What's the problem? Like, so did not go super That's my favorite kind of person to record with. People who don't want to really do more than one or two takes. Right. And they just so get, yeah. yeah so the album was taking a long time i guess is really because they yeah they didn't really want to try that hard john was having john simon was having trouble with them they had only they only had like three or four songs done yeah by the time when clive andrews the columbia rep who we've talked about before he signed them clive gave him a call one day to say hey your record's gone gold and they said okay it's not done yet what does that mean and he said oh we've already pre-ordered five hundred thousand copies so can we have that album please wow (laughs) so we we kind of need that album pretty fast which is that's what happened with smile if everyone remembers they pre-sold smile and it went gold or platinum or something and it literally did not come out the way you know like they smiley smile is what came out they were putting ads in magazines with the smile cover of yeah. like order it today it's coming out soon so yeah well and they yeah, they made promo videos <laughs> yeah and stuff exactly so clive calls them to say yeah we it's your record is gone gold we just need the music please <laughs> <laughs> um so just like also we recently talked about jimmy you know staying up all night to finish axis bold as love janice uh sam andrew the guitar player and their new producer, Simon, the album was taking so long, John Simons had to leave to do another project, which is probably for the best. Um, yeah. So, and their new producer spent 36 hours in the studio finishing the album so that um, they had something to give Columbia. Are those consecutive hours or? I think so. Yeah. That's the okay. the, the meaning I got from, from my source that I read. Gotcha. <laughs> Wikipedia. Um <laughs> So, but they got it done. I honestly, my guess is that's maybe why that live ball and chain actually ended up making it on there is maybe they didn't have a great studio version, so they just found yeah. the best live version they had and and threw it on there. So that would make sense. Um, I didn't find that anywhere, but just that's my guess. Being or maybe I mean like what what the Beach well the Beach Boys never did that, but what the Stones did on that fake live album, mm-hmm. they had one or two that were actually live because. True. It was like the only things that they had recorded. Yeah. So basically. maybe, yeah, maybe they were like, this one's good enough to put on their lot. Like it's the right balance of energy and, you know, not too sloppy. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so the album art for this album is very faint for cheap thrills is very famous, yeah. but almost could have been more famous. So, Ooh. so yeah. So they like the mamas and the papas and the Rolling Stones before them try and get a naughty album cover past the label. 
Um, of course they do. So the band came up with an idea that Columbia actually okayed until they saw the photos. So <laughs> their idea was the whole band laying in like a big bed together under the cover, you know, but just all like their heads poking out under the covers of a big bed, which is a pretty fun idea for a cover. So the label yeah. schedules this shoot for them in New York. Uh, but when they show up to the set, which I think was a hotel room, but they'd done it up in like a hippie style but it was very like hoity-toity New York posh idea of what, you know, a hippie style would be. Yeah. Um, Janice, they walked in. Apparently Janice yelled, let's trash it, boys. <laughs> and they just tore the room apart. Um, they started drinking. Uh, they cooked some heroin. <laughs> they, yeah. And then they took all their clothes off and got in like this disheveled bed with like the four poster ripped down kind of thing that like in the shot, you could see their bottles of whiskey, their candle with like a heroin spoon, all that wow. shit like laying around. And then I don't think you could see obviously any, any nakedness really. Cause it was still the sixties, but, um, you know, they, yeah. So they sent in those photos. Oh, Sam Andrews had a funny quote too, where he said it was a merry morning. <laughs> <laughs> so they had a fun time but so they took all the photos sent them in but columbia rejected all of them because it was too much they wanted them nicely laying in a bed i guess not laying in a bed like the dirty hippies they were so yeah yeah interesting so yeah i imagine they've never released these that's a pictures. good question i did not actually end up looking it up it would be let's i assume are you looking right now yeah well i i mean i did a very Cheap simple thrills. google search bed photo maybe that might be the way to go i would yeah that does seem like something that would exist somewhere but google is not our friend right now at least no i i can't find it so once that's um rejected sam no a different guy yeah sam i think um says well we were gonna get my artist friend this guy named r crumb who was a big like kind of counterculture underground uh, artist in the 60s. They were going to get him to do their back cover. Um, and he said, what if we just asked him to do the the cover cover? And Columbia said right. okay to that. So that's what we end up getting, the very famous album cover with like a bunch of cartoons. It's like kind of comic strip panels, which have all the songs and like the band member names kind of woven into the comic strips and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um ends up being the album cover which is cool it's now that i know it was supposed to be the back it makes a lot more sense as the back cover absolutely yeah. but it's kind of fun that it's the front it's a little bit like when newer artists do the thing where they'll release an album with like all the old things that used to be on the front of records you know what i mean like what's a good example so i guess one this isn't exactly what i'm thinking of but like come down machine by the strokes the front of it has like rca in bigger letters than anything else and then in the corner it's got like just a bunch of like information about the quote-unquote tape you know it was recorded on and stuff and it's like it's kind of it's like the um what do you call it oh, like the I test copy you yeah. know or like the copy you'd send to like the radio station not the official release copy so it's yeah i feel like cheap thrills kind of has that vibe to me where it's a little bit like this is like the i mean it the it album art cool you send out had done that you yeah know? like um, just a cover kind of like you know this 
Um, a fun little anecdote. Um, yeah. I accidentally Googled Coke down machine, and it didn't correct it. And so there's apparently uh, a machine. Um, <clears throat> not really a machine. It's like a plastic thing you screw a two-liter Coke bottle into, and then you press your cup into it, and it'll... Uh, Oh, but does it keep the Coke like fresh when it's still in the two liter, you know? I think in Is theory, that the idea yes. there? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like a soda stream, but more redneck. Yeah, it's like a redneck soda stream. That's exactly what <laughs> And, and soda you can streams only buy are already on fucking redneck, so. <laughs> yeah. Soda streams are. I don't know what about them makes them trashy, but they are yeah, for we, sure trashy. We made a flyover state joke, and I feel like. Soda Stream and Flyover State, you know, name name a more hand iconic duo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did I tell you on the podcast? I forget if it was on a recording or not. So you are feel feel free to edit this out if this was already released in a recorded state. But when I went to Salt Lake with Shelby last fall, a lot of her family lives out there, and because it's like Mormon country, you know, there's. Yeah several there are like a dozen different chains of just soda places where you just literally go and get a giant cup of soda and they just have like different syrups and stuff to put in the soda wow but that's the whole point of it it's just like here's a bunch of caffeine free sugar to drink Hmm. it's wild yeah wow that is yeah the most mormon shit i've ever heard in my life (laughs) right i know well and i was i kind of forgot that it was like a mormon thing to drink soda without caffeine you know yeah like to drink drinks like that. And so I was just like, what the fuck is this? Like, this is the weirdest like cultural thing. Like why is Salt Lake obsessed with soda? And then had to be reminded it's cause Mormons. Oh yeah. Yeah. They can't go to so. a brewery. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Did you, um, try, did you go to any soda places? Yeah. No, but her family did a couple of times literally like, <laughs> so we're cause all her extended family is Mormon. So yeah. we we're all sitting around like hanging out at her grandpa's house and literally someone got up and was like, I'm going to go to whatever, you know, soda palace or some shit. And literally the whole room was like, Oh my God, yes, I need. And like, we're giving her orders. Like someone was going to Starbucks and it was a bunch of, you know, fucking liberal white people basically. Yeah. (laughs) So anyway, um, I, the two things I know about Utah, they love soda, caffeine free soda and the beach boys. That's true. Oh, see, that gave me deja vu where I'm like, I feel like we did talk about this, but sorry, friends. We Uh, didn't talk about that. So they got R. Crumb to do the album cover. And then the back photo or the back cover, then Columbia chose, it was just a photo of Janice, which fueled the ire the rest of the band was feeling for sure about feeling like left behind and like, you know, Janice was off on a rocket ship uh, without them. So, um, yeah. And the album, the original title was Sex, Dope, and Cheap Thrills. Uh, but oh. again, because it's the 60s, they cut it down to just Cheap Thrills, uh, which mm. both good album names, I would say. Either one of those is pretty dope. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What's interesting. I don't oh, like the album cover, though. Oh, that's interesting. I think it's great, but I'm curious what you, what, 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 what do you not like about it, PJ? <laughs> I don't. <clears throat> so I think I like kind of minimalist design better than i like sure i just think it's a lot going on i think for an album it's like too messy which i know makes me sound really pretentious um but i don't know i i just like a clean clean looking album cover and this is 
Can I ask I mean, though, like you yeah. love Exile on Main Street, and I would say I don't love Exile because I don't love oh, the collage I thing. Do like Exile. But I like a Sergeant Pepper's, and I like you know cheap thrills. So I don't know. I think that there's too many colors. I think like honestly, yeah. I think in my mind the colors clash quite a bit. Whereas like Exile is just black and white. Yeah. Um, this is that makes sense. Yeah. Do they have a Hell's Angels little thing on there? Um, yeah, so there's a little stamp in the corner that says approved by Hell's Angels Frisco, which, I mean, as we know from the Rolling Stones, a lot of the hippie counterculture was enmeshed with the Hell's Angels, but it made me wonder if yeah. R. Crumb was a Hell's Angel, maybe? It could be. Um, or if it was just a weird, you know, specific San Francisco thing they put in there. Um, yeah. I so see I a, think it's a, fun. So, like, I mean, so all the little panels are, like, the song titles and then it's like a little cartoon about them where and then it also has the info again where it's like a perfect back album cover but like so combination of the two is like a little cartoon number two doing a dance on a stage and then there's like a speaking bubble where it tells you who's playing who's singing and who's playing look at the summertime one though well yeah that's got some uh, um that's problematic for sure it is problematic it's got like a very like 1920s kind of looking cartoon of a african-american woman which is not good agreed i didn't zoom in on that one and And it's also got a somewhat the r crumb guy is like a weird middle eastern dude but i'm like yeah let's see if r crumb was a white guy (laughs) oh he fully was um yeah so i'm like that's a weird choice for him to make himself like a a guy in a turban so I also don't like this art style really. Mhm. Like I, it reminds me of those um what was that? Um Big Daddy Kane or something? No, mm. that's a that's a rapper. Um Big Daddy oh, what the fuck? Big Bad Voodoo Daddy? Yeah, Big Bad <laughs> Voodoo Daddy. Um who did all those really shitty um Big Daddy Roth? Mm. Um, I'll give you a second to look it up, Pete, but it's just like those really terrible, like, I don't know, like it's got like mm. the rat rod and like, it's like motorcycle yeah. and car art. I just think oh, it like, yeah. it reminds me of that. And I just really hate that art style. I got um, it. And to me, it's scre- like, I don't know, much like a soda stream. It screams trashy to me. <laughs> well, there's no arguing with taste and... Yeah, I, I think it's, I guess I don't love the art style as much as I just think it's a fun idea. And I, I, think I it's a good appreciate idea. how it's done, yeah. like the little cartoon with all the things worked into it and like the band members I'll, worked into their each of their own little cartoons and stuff. I'll but, give you that. I think it's a really good yeah. idea. Um, I just think oh. maybe a different artist who is yeah. less racist would be good. Interestingly, yeah, for sure. very interestingly so we know when columbia bought the rights to their first record they reissued it with janice joplin big on the front cover they do not put janice joplin and big brother like in the same space on this album art they just put Mm. big brother in the holding company and then she's listed same as all the other band members which is very interesting from columbia and if they were promoting it that way on tour and stuff like it's really actually weird that they didn't put her name you know front and center on the front if they were that set on her being the star but yeah it's an interesting one huh so uh one last thing before i get to the track by track just some of my research led me to this a great rolling stone article with like some big brother facts and uh 
It has a quote from Janice. This is a direct quote from an interview she did at the time on, uh, on the band, Big Brother. I slept with all of them. They're like my family. I've balled them all. <laughs> Which is great. And we, I think we talked about it a little on the last Janice episode, but she definitely, she slept with a lot of people. Yeah. Um, Leonard she, Like we talked, for, she had like a short thing with Pigpen McKernan. She had a thing with one of the guys from Quicksilver Messenger Service. She apparently slept with all the big brother guys. Like she, she slept around a lot which i mean it was the free love era and yeah there's nothing bad about it at all but it's just very interesting to what a wikipedia page has like a few paragraphs where it's like and then she had a relationship with this person and then with this person and then with this person and you're like okay (laughs) cool and there's that that were they all three weeks long because that's like more people than you can fit into a year (laughs) i mean she died at 27 so yeah um is that like kind of bad? Th- th- there's that <laughs> old rumor that her and Hendrix hooked up too, but I don't yeah. know. So like, I mean, it's I, it's I unsubstantiated. But yeah. <laughs> I mean, when she offers to sleep with like their guy from Columbia too, like you know, yeah. there's just she clearly had no issue um, with using her sexuality any way she wanted. So yeah, which good for her. Good for her. And also, what yeah. a baller move too for this band. That's like <laughs> she cucked her own band basically. <laughs> She's like, yeah. I'm gonna fuck all of you, and then I'm gonna turn you all into like, yeah, my my little bitches, which is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> all right, let's take a short break and come back and go through cheap thrills. Um, I'm going to go see what's happening out in front of my house real quick. Oh, yeah. Sure. I'll be back in a sec, too. And welcome back to the 27 Club. We are talking about Cheap Thrills by Janice Joplin and Big Brother and The Holding Company. Which one's Big yeah. Brother and which are The Holding Company? It's kind of like Mumford & Sons. You never know. <laughs> yeah, they're, in my humble opinion... It's too many ands in a band. It is. Two is too many. Two is a lot. Once, yeah. The jump from one to two is huge. Maybe like Janis Joplin with Big Brother and the Holding Company. That's what it should be, yes. Or it should be Big Brother and the Holding Company with Janis Joplin or something. You know, That would make more sense. Or featuring Janis Joplin or some shit like that. Featuring Janis Joplin would probably be the best. You do Big Brother and the Holding Company first. Yes. So they feel more important. And then featuring. And it could even like, be in bigger, yeah. le- bigger letter. Or like it could be featuring yeah. and then Janis Joplin in bigger letters than the band or something. You know, if you're really yeah. that set on, <laughs> on, on her being exactly. a star. So, all right. So Cheap Thrills was released in August 1968, pretty much exactly one year after their debut. Uh, it went to number one in the U.S. off those pre-orders, of course. Um, and yeah, the bro. one single off the album, Peace of My Heart, uh, which as a as of now, uh, or before the show, I'm trying to say, was the only Janis Joplin song I had ever heard, uh, went to number 12 in the U.S. There, I think, no, not her biggest hit, but the band's biggest hit. We'll say that. I think, I'm pretty sure off her last album, her posthumous album, she has a bigger, a bigger single, but. I mean, yeah, I can think of like two or three more. Yeah, there's a couple other ones that I think are going to be, are going to be higher than that, so. So the first track, uh, written by Sam Andrews, uh, lead vocal Sam Andrews, combination of the two. And we get Bill Graham here 
foe introducing them. Yeah, right? It's pretty dope. So to further the fake album, fake live album thing on the album art, it just says live material recorded at the Fillmore Auditorium, but it doesn't tell you what is live and what's not. So like this was not recorded live, but you yeah. would think it was by looking at the album art and hearing the song. So they, they seems... really wanted it to be live. I mean, at least when the Beach Boys did Party, right. they, I think, specified somewhere on the yes. album, not an actual live album. You I know? think so. They didn't try to trick you like Big Brother. Yeah. So, I think this is a good song. This is one of those songs that we talk about a few times in our shows where they, you know, meld two or three kind of different sections together, and I think it really works here. You got that intro section, and then it jumps into this part. I will say, I, I like the song, but yeah. and this is going to be common on basically all of the songs we talked about today. I do not like the fake live album. Yes, agreed. I want I want to hear a studio version of this song. Yeah, but like I mean, this is we, one. <laughs> yeah, but like you know. I, yes, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just like because it doesn't sound live, mm-hmm. right? But it doesn't sound like a studio thing. It, yeah. it just sounds like it's really poorly recorded in a studio, which is basically what they did. Right. So like, it's just annoying to me. I don't know. Agreed. Fuck the '60s, honestly. Yeah, great song though. Great vocal take. You know, but yeah, this is um, this is pretty excellent. Yeah, that part we just heard where Janice, you know, gets up to the top of the the top of the song, is excellent. I, I would say this one's yeah solid. I like that one part. It's got a little bit of um, it's got a little bit of like try a little tenderness vibe to me. You know, where like the song kind of builds up to that that one like really intense high part. Yeah. So I could yeah. Got a little bit of that going on for me. And I like, it's pretty compact too. Like they, yeah. they move through it really fast and it's not a super long song. The, the one compliment that I'll give to the production is the drums sound live. Yeah. I, I don't think any of it sounds live except for the drums. Um, yeah. Which I think is probably pretty easy to do, but I mean. Yeah. It's also, so like we talked a lot on the first album about how surprised we were about the sound and like just vibe of it. This album yeah. for sure feels like this is what Big Brother sound like you know like the other one felt like it was them trying to play other music but like this like this is a cool guitar solo it sounds like live groovy it sounds like the kind of psychedelic jammy shit they'd be wanting to play yeah and i guess that's i mean if if it's the 60s and you saw big brother at monterey pop or woodstock or something and then you buy this album i bet you're like yeah this is what i mean similar to what they sound like this is great yeah but like knowing that it's not live and like knowing that they could have recorded it better yeah. is kind of annoying Agreed. to me 
But yeah, this is the first. We'll talk about this on on a couple albums by Janis Joplin. But Sam Andrew is a really good guitar player, man. He's like really phenomenal. I usually yeah. don't love the kind of psychedelic guitar solo thing where there's not a melody to it, where you're just kind of going like, like he just did basically. Yeah. <laughs> but it's kind of good. I don't know. I think it works here at least. Um, I'm into it. Well, so like Hendrix, he I mean he did psychedelic guitar. But it was more precise, I want to say. Yes. And he's somewhere in between, like a fish, you yeah. know, kind of thing, and Hendrix, where it's yeah. like it's a little bit within a structure, but it's like mm-hmm. still good, you know. I don't know. Yeah. All right. That's true. We move on to "I Need a Man to Love." So this one was written by Sam and uh, Janice. Great fuzz guitar. Yeah. This one's groovy as shit. It is. The bass line's nice. I like the rhythm of it. And yeah, that fuzzy, it's just so overdriven and nice yeah. sounding. I love the, the tone on that guitar. I will say this is actually one that, I mean, I, again, I would rather it was recorded in a studio and sound like that, but the live kind of reverby thing works on this song for me. But then, so the there's always a part everything. of it, even if it does sound like if they do well, like I think that guitar sounded pretty live and the drums, but I know her vocal was done in a studio, you know? It yeah, doesn't but it sound kinda, live. I think it kind of, I mean, they put the reverb effect on it where it does make it sound like she's singing in a room, you know, in a large room. Yeah. So, I mean, this is what we could, this is like Jimi Hendrix. We could say this about every song, but God, Janice sounds so good. Oh, her voice is amazing. Like, Oh, this is the part that reminded me of Try a Little Tenderness, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's so good. Okay, so this bugged me the first few times I listened to this song. But isn't the note she's hitting flat? Isn't it lower than it should be? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, well, she she does this thing where she she can't sing particularly high. Right. She's got a pretty limited range. But I mean, she kills it in that range. But yeah. she does that raspy thing with her voice when she and has she to can get, get higher somewhere. when she gets into her head voice. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't think she can quite, quite get there. And it's she not can't, super flat. Because it's. But I mean, I can't hit it. But when she gets to loneliness, baby, it's wrong. And but it's yeah. it's like yeah, it's like one note flat. But, she tries to like slur yeah. with her head voice mm-hmm. like up. But it's like but it's doing that raspy thing. So yeah. I think it. I mean, in her head, it probably sounds like okay. it's getting there. I just, so I'm not musically knowledgeable. I'm, I, I'm, I don't have like quite a good enough ear where I, I just need to double check if I was correct or not. No. All yeah, that being said, quite after the it. first like three times I heard this song, I didn't care because it's just, it's fantastic. It's cool. And her voice is so good. It's very good. Yeah. Yeah. It's so great. It's cool. It's and I cool, love in the sure. verses too when she's singing quieter but still does the raspy thing. Like it's not just when she's screaming that she does the rasp. Yeah. And it, it just she, really works for me. She I, is not a lot of people can make that rasp work. Like Yeah. And it's interesting because it. like listening to so this this is something that I've kind of been avoiding because I'm a little bit ashamed of it now that we've been talking about Janice Joplin and listening to her more. Mm-hmm. In like I want to say like freshman year of high school or something maybe I had some class where for some reason we watched a video of Janis Joplin performing and it was peace of my heart and I was like this sucks I don't like her voice I don't like that she's like doing the headbanging thing 
I don't love, like, you know, she was doing the Janis Joplin thing where, like, all her hair was just completely in front of her face. Yeah. And I was like, this just, I don't, this, none of this connects with me. And I never listened to anything else again by her or gave her a shot at all. And now I have so completely turned around on it. Like, now that I'm listening to her, I am, I'm ashamed that I <laughs> turned my back on Janis Joplin because she's so good and I love her voice. I did a similar thing with Joe Cocker. Yeah. Where I was like, I don't like, I don't like that he's very spastic on stage, yeah, and yeah. I don't really like, like that he's very screamy. But now mm-hmm. I love it. I fucking love Joe Cocker, yes. dude. Um, and Janis Joplin is like, it's it's kind of like, I'm the same thing is happening to me a little bit that happened with Jimi Hendrix, where I'm like, I feel like a fool for not appreciating this as much as yeah. everyone else in the whole fucking world, because she is like an iconic singer. Yeah, and now I'm like, yes, she is, but I feel like I'm way late to the party. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I've always liked Janis Joplin. I don't think I've ever done as deep of a dive as we're doing now, but yeah, yeah. So I need a mandala of rules. Let's uh, let's get to yeah. summertime. So summertime is from the 1935 opera Porgy, yeah, by George and Ira Gershwin. Yep. Which. She'll do this on later songs, and this was also just kind of a 60s thing. I'm like, people need to start covering older songs again, because... No. Oh, come on. No. I think this song rules, and it's also like, it does not sound like a song that was from like a 1930s musical. Like, they First can, off, they can yes, modernize it, does. it. This is the most covered song in the goddamn world, Peter. No, Everybody you're thinking... Everybody does this goddamn no, song. No, you're thinking of the Mamas and the Papas song <laughs> that's also from like the 30s. Uh, what is that song called? No, I'm thinking of Summertime. Dream a Little Dream of Me. <laughs> I feel like you're thinking I of that. I have always, always hated this fucking song. Um, I've never not, heard it before, I gotta say. Not it's because Jan, not Jan is doing it either. Um, it is truly like just the an fucking most. One. Yeah, it's. Um, and people like, whenever they're like trying to. This is people do this a lot when they're trying to like audition mm. for stuff. Got it. Um, because you can do it in like any style. Right. But like, there are so many versions of it. Like, um, Billie Holiday is is mm. a big one that you know from Makes the sense. 30s. Yeah. Um, Sam Cooke did one. Yeah. Um, obviously, Big Brother did one. I think What's Her Face has one. That lady that everybody loves. Um, sure. Beyonce. No, the other one. Lana Del Rey. I think okay. she does a cover. That makes sense, actually, yeah. And I just hate this fucking song. I think it's like, yeah. I don't think it's a good song, and I don't know why people cover it so much. She's doing her best with this song as she can. But I, I, yeah. I've always hated this song, and I don't know why. I just, it drives me crazy. I, I, that sucks, because I think this song is really fantastic. But I guess, yeah, I, I don't think I've ever heard it before. Um, I love it. I love the guitar is really good on it. Um, and I love this guitar solo. It's very like Van Halen doing, you know, Beethoven kind of sounding shit. I mean, the guitar is really good on this. And this guitar solo is cool too with the fuzz box. I just hate the melody of this song. Oh yeah. And it's like, I don't know. I think it's great. And I love kind of like the verses from I Need a Man to Love. Like I love Janice doing soft singing, but still kind of doing the head voice while she's, you know, doing all that. It's, it really works for me. I mean, objectively, yeah, it's a great song. I just can't stand this song. (laughs) That's Um, fair. And I don't know. I feel foolish about it because 
Yeah, it's worry. everybody's favorite goddamn song in the world, but I can't I can't do it. When this came up, I was like, yeah. oh yeah, I forgot that was a thing. <laughs> that's so funny because this was a total highlight for me. And then looking it up and being like, wow, that's so cool that it's like this old song. Like I had no idea. So that's no. funny. And it's every like wannabe jazz singer like covers this yeah. song, and it drives me crazy. Pick a different song, you know. Like if it, and it's not her that like yeah, yeah. ruined it for me. It's like everybody since then. Yeah. Who's like, oh, like you can sing it in any style, like Janice did, and then it yeah. just is annoying to me. Well, um, let's move on to the next cover, "Piece of My Heart," originally sung by Irma Franklin, Aretha's sister. I had no idea. Huh. Yeah, I did not know this so was a this, cover. By far the most famous Big Brother song, close to the most famous Janis Joplin song, and God damn it, isn't it good? <laughs> oh, it's such a good. I love this intro. Song. Oh, I know, so and then good. I love, yeah, like once you know the song, you want to just get yeah. straight into the chorus, but they pull they it blue back. ball you, man. It's they fucking it's blue really ball nice. You. So this is maybe the the best example on this album, or the for me, the most that I wish they had recorded it a lot better, because yeah. it's a perfect song, and this like version and like this um, you know arrangement is perfect, but it's just recorded really crappily. Like, we'll hear the guitars in the chorus are just shit. Oh, it's so good, dude. Yeah, that little vocal styling yeah. where she pulls the melody up there and does that. Oh, my God. It is so, so beautiful. And, like, so this drummer isn't, like, an impeccable drummer or anything, yeah. but it's kind of like Ringo where, like, his playing fits this so perfectly. Like, yeah. the vocal take is great. The drums are great. It's just like, the little like noodly guitar in the back is perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this really is a perfect song. I mean, it deserves to be, you know, their biggest hit for sure. Because it's yeah. by far the best thing they've they've done so far. And the oh, chorus the, the, is really oh. nice too. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, someone played Irma Franklin this this version, and she was like, and they were like, "That's that's your song." They had to tell her. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I know. I'm like, we should look up the original. Yeah, I'll get that going. Um, that reminds me of a story of uh, oh, Tom God, Petty so listening bad. to um, Johnny Cash's version of "I Won't Back Down" first. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. Because they, they were showing it to him because they were like, will you sing backup on this? And yeah. he was like listening to it, and he was like, wow, this is a good song. And then halfway through, he was like, oh, this is my song. <laughs> and then he was mad because he was like, man, it sounds like it was fucking written for Johnny Cash. He does yeah. it way better than I do. That's funny. It does. Now that you say that, I don't think I've heard the Johnny Cash version, but oh boy, does that sound right in my head. It's sung by Johnny Cash. Yeah. It's so good, dude. The guitar solo, I would say, is fine. Yeah, I would have loved a better one. It doesn't one, bother but... me, but it, yeah, they should have done a second pass at that. Yeah. Tried to write just like a, a like one melody for it, maybe, instead of him just messing around. Yeah. Especially because this guitar line's so good, the little walk down thing. Also, the like, 
I've always thought this. Every time I've listened to this song, the background vocals sound like Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Like it, it sounds like his voice. I don't know why. So I always they're not like, nearly chill enough. I gotta say. Yeah. Maybe my only disappointment, Janice does this like a little bit better, I think on the next album we're gonna talk about, but she never really lets loose on this song. Like the melody, she sings the exact same every time and just yeah. in a way where I'm like, I kind of want you to just go crazy on the last chorus and just like, just find find a different approach. Yeah. But it, it doesn't bring the song down. Just like I'm so into it that I'm like, I want it to get to like a next level and it just doesn't quite, but it definitely yeah. not a bad thing. Just my, you know, in a perfect world kind of wish. Yeah. Here's the Irma Thomas. Oh. Here's the Irma Thomas version. Thanks. Boy, I love it already. I gotta yeah, say. Yeah, dude, this... Maybe <laughs> the bass is such a nice... Though. That's such a nice bass tone. Sorry, Irma Franklin, not Thomas. Irma Thomas is a person, too, I'm pretty sure, so... Yeah, that's why I got and this is really good. This rips too, yeah. For how much I love yeah, the Janis Joplin version. We gotta do an R&B band next, thing, I think, Pete. Yeah. <laughs> this rules. Yeah, this is very, very good. Yeah. All right. Nice. Yeah. Pretty cool. Uh, so the next track, Turtle Blues. So this one, they recorded, I think maybe just like the vocal take or something. Let me look real quick. It's it's in here. It's in my notes, but. Um, that piano tone is impeccable. It really was. So there's something with, I don't know where it went in my notes, but Turtle Blues, the background like noise in this was recorded at a restaurant um, that Janice hung out at a lot. And I'm unclear on whether they just recorded the noise there or whether like Janice did her vocal take, you know, so. Um, to me, it, it seems like they recorded yeah. just the like crowd noise at a restaurant. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So it was called Barney's Beanery. Hmm. Yeah. You gotta love a place named an eatery, because it just boils it down to what it is. Even better, beanery. Barney's Beanery. <laughs> you gotta love a place that it's, it, the, the menu was toast with beans, toast, or toast, toast with beans, beans with toast, side of toast, side of beans. <laughs> That's the menu. That's or glass need. of milk. Ah, uh, yeah, the Beatles diet. Glass of milk, cup of coffee. <laughs> This song's okay. I, I mean, it's once we left like the straight blues thing, a straight blues song on an otherwise non-bluesy album, I'm like, eh, it's fine. <laughs> Who cares? 
Yeah, I initially really liked this one, and then the more I listened to it, I was like, this is kind of boring. Yeah, there didn't end up being that much there. I guess I would agree with you, where it's like, it's not bad, but then on repeat, there's not a cool guitar solo, the piano's not that great. No, like, there's nothing that grabs you. you know? The lyrics aren't really anything. She does like a more biographical blues song on her next album that's excellent for being like a straight blues song, right. and this one to me is, there's just nothing that interesting, so. Yeah. I'm going to go to the next song because I don't think anything else happens really. Yeah. Oh, Sweet Mary. So this was a full band composition. So in this song, sounds the exact same to me. I know I had so long to do this research myself, but this melody sounds the exact same to me as a song off their first album. And in enough of a way where I'm like, guys, what the fuck? Like, did no one notice? Did you just rewrite a song off your first album and think no one noticed because your first album didn't sell that well? Like, Ah, much like the Mumford and Sons. I mean, maybe. This song's, this part sucks. This sounds like knockoff Jefferson Airplane. <laughs> kind of like some it, of the shit off their first album. Exactly what I was going to say. But then this part's great. Well, not this part, but when Janice like screams. Yeah, when it gets into basically. it in a second. Not this, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting song. Some might say a bad one. I mean, I feel like every time I listen to it, there's at least a part or two that I do end up liking, but I don't we'll like see it if as they a show song. up on this. No, agreed. It kind of is just like a few minutes before you get to Ball and Chain, <laughs> basically. Yeah. Yeah, the but the it guitar makes... is pretty cool yeah. some, sometimes. I would agree. And the bass, their bass player is doing work on this song. He's Yeah, they've got it. a great rhythm section, just overall. Yeah. <sighs> what if you breathed into the mic really loud? That would be a fun psychedelic thing. <sighs> oh. <laughs> uh. I don't like Could that Could you at all. feel how moist yeah, it was? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, their bass player is doing a really nice. Yeah. He just did a really nice, like, doo -doo -doo -doo. I don't know. He's just like, yeah. he's playing around a lot with the walking bass line thing, and it's it's working for me. Does anything interesting happen in this song? I got, I feel like there is. I, I, I swear too, something but... cool happens, because I every time I listen to this song and I think, oh, this isn't that great, and then every time there's something that I end up liking. But is it after this long-ass solo? I don't know. <laughs> this instrumental section, I mean. How much longer is on a song? Uh, about a minute and 40. Uh, fuck it. Let's go to Ball and Chain. <laughs> I love the false start on this song. So this is another R&B cover. Big Mama yeah. Thornton originally sang Ball and Chain. This one I've heard the original for. Yeah. And once again, like... They do the guitar noise thing and it works when it works and it works so well here. Yeah. It's a great intro with just like a wall of noise kind of thing happening. Okay, so I'm gonna say something at the beginning of the song and this, you're either gonna totally agree with me or think I'm insane. Okay. But this ball and chain is apparently just where Led Zeppelin got their whole thing. <laughs> hmm. 
long blues jam with a singer with like, who's just going like wah, 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 over it for a long time. And long extended guitar solos and stuff like. I wouldn't say it's where they got their whole thing. Well, it's where but, they got everything when they did a long blues jam with yes. Robert playing yelling over it. Like, I feel like anytime they play live, they were like, yeah. oh, should we put on Ball and Chain before you go out there? Like, yes. You know? Like, just this, this makes me think so much of Robert Plant just kind of doing his mumble singing thing. Like, almost scatting, yeah. you know, like, he's not doing that, but just, like, the kind of making noise and, like, singing really fast. And Did you hear, so, um, Robert Plant hates that he did that. He thinks it all, oh, like, now, he thinks it all sounded terrible. I mean, he's so not he, wrong. <laughs> That's maybe my least favorite part of the Led Zeppelin oeuvre is, like, the long, long jam where he's just... Um, going and so, the lemon baby and the lemon oh lemon 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 juice yeah yeah kind of shit like <laughs> but he so on um the the new remasters of um um this part's that, very nice yeah the the chorus as it were yeah Anyway, um, I just want to hear that part. Um, yeah, yeah. But on um, what was their live album? Why can I never think of it? Um, oh, we talk about this all the time, and every time we have to look it up because we always forget what the fuck it's called. Da not Days and Confused. Movie. The song remains the same. <laughs> yeah, song remains the same. So on the song remains the same. You know, there's that version of Stairway to Heaven. Yes. Um, which I think is a better version than the studio version, but also mm -hmm. I could just never hear Stairway to Heaven again in my entire life and be happy about it. Sure. Um, but he, you know, he does the like, Mama, won't you, Mama, won't you? He tried to get yes. them to take that off of. Oh, interesting. Off of the, the new reissues. Because um, yeah. he was just like, I just don't really like it. Yeah. Um, um, whole lot of love, I think, is the ultimate example of that. Especially yes. live, they would they would do a yeah. very long jam. And also, I'm pretty sure that's the song where on more than one live thing, Jimmy plays like during his insane long solo. Yeah. Jimmy breaks into some some Beethoven and shit like in the middle yeah. for no reason at all. <laughs> so hey, there's a anyway, reason. It but this awesome. song just for I was like Robert Plant had to have heard this and cribbed a lot of his like ideas because it well sounds be. so much yeah. like yeah like robert plant doing his whole thing but yeah. about two Especially years before the they started the doing this yeah, yeah yeah for sure but that is also just like an old jazz and blues thing so you know, like sure, maybe I guess, they had the similar yeah. like ideas. Yeah, but. and you know, we are in an era like I don't know. Obviously, like I'd never heard Janis Joplin outside of a song yeah. before now. Like I don't know all the bands from this era, so maybe there were a lot of people doing this type of yeah. long blues extended kind of thing where they're screaming over it. But yeah, but it, it the is guitar so on much this particularly like, it's a lot heavier, yeah. so it like lends to sounding yes. more like Zeppelin. So. And yeah, Sam Andrews here is trying to. I mean. Jimmy Page isn't a famous guitar player yet, except in the Yardbirds, but it's like, it sounds like he's trying yeah. to play like, yeah. So you're probably right that it was just, um, what's the term when people think of the same thing at the same time? 
but separately, you know, like, it was probably um, that. Like, they just... Yeah, what the hell is that called? Yeah, I don't know, but it happens a lot, obviously, you know. I'm sure it was just them in their separate worlds, both being like, old blues is cool, so is fuzzy guitar, so is us jamming that out and, you know, yelling over it. Like, it's not that crazy of an idea, but just when it's two white people, too, who are both very, like we're gonna do the blues and we're white people who can sound like blues singers, you know, like old black blues singers, then yeah. it gets a little more like, eh, it feels like you're <laughs> talking, but. I tried so, to look up that word and the only thing it came up was zeitgeist. And I was like, that's no, not really parallel what I'm thinking. for. That's what I'm, yeah. I think parallel, parallel thinking, thinking is what I'm Parallel thought, for. thank you, yes. So all that being said, it's fine. I'm not a huge <laughs> fan of Ball and Chain. I, no. I'm. I'm more impressed by the guitar playing on this whole album than I was expecting. Like, especially because yeah, on the first album, it's not that good. <laughs> so, yeah. like, Sam Andrews really either got better or they let him loose a little bit. Yeah. And Janice's voice is great, but I just don't love when Led Zeppelin or Janice Joplin or anyone does it. I don't love the whole yeah. slow blues. I'm going to yell a lot. And, you know, I don't know. Just not my thing. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like... I don't know. It, it, it's like, there are good guitar parts to the song. There are great mm-hmm. vocal takes, but it's not a good song. I don't think. Yeah, it's it really be yeah. nine minutes long. You know. Yeah, and it just makes it so that the whole back half of the album is basically for me unnecessary. Bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so. yeah. The the whole B side could be not there, and I wouldn't really care. Right. So yeah. So that's cheap thrills. I mean, yeah. I think we talked a lot during it. I, I don't know if I have a lot of overall thoughts except just when it's great, no. it's great. The whole back half is unnecessary, and I wish yeah. they'd recorded it better. That's really yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> it should be recorded better. Everything after Peace of My Heart is not very good. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say I think it's a 7 out of 10. <laughs> I was going to say 6, so okay. we're in the same ballpark there. Interesting. Um, yeah, I'm just, like, like, I think those first four songs are perfection. Oh, dude. For real. Yeah. Like, they are absolutely perfect. You know, if recording they continued issues on aside, like the same path, but, yeah. it would have been phenomenal, but h- half the album is bad. You know? Like, I don't, I don't uh, think bad, just a disappointment compared to those first four songs are so strong. That's fair. That I wouldn't the back say bad half either. Is, is a disappointment, You're right. but bad is I would a say it's term. average. It's like average music on the back half. Yeah. It's, it's, it's nowhere close to the, to the, you know, first half of the album and like i'll probably never put this album on again like i'll i would listen to half of it and then be like okay yeah i think i will put it on again but i will just get to turtle blues and be like oh yeah i don't care anymore and you know that's what i mean like i'll never listen to it it's in in its entirety ever again probably yeah i mean even if i listen to all of it but ball and chain you know like Mm -hmm. yeah um and it is so much worse if you listen to the extended version because the <laughs> yeah because the other... there's four more songs that are not that great. No, and I thought that was the whole album, and mm-hmm. I was like, Jesus Christ, this album is long and bad. But those first four songs are pretty good. So, yeah. um, honestly, it like went up in my book. Um, knowing that <laughs> yeah, those once ones it gets actually shorter. on there. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I forgot to actually look how long it was. It's only seven songs, but the you know Ball and Chain is very long. That's well, thirty-seven minutes. That's decent. Yeah, because uh, especially compared to the hour with those four other songs, you know. Right. All right. Well, that's been our show, folks. Clap, clap, yeah. clap. Uh, that has been 
that's Cheap Thrills from Big Brother. And the last Big Brother album we will talk about here. Yes. We'll be... uh, Don't worry, Janice isn't dead yet. We will be divorce, uh, talking about the divorce in the next episode. Spooky. And that's, well, that's going to be our last Big Brother album. Uh, We'll talk about the divorce in the next episode. Yeah. Don't worry, Janice isn't dead yet. No. Not not quite. Um, Well, Pete... I'll see you through my rose-colored sunglasses. <laughs> yeah, and I'll see you at the crossroads, BJ. And we'll see everyone else next week. A Beach Boys Boys production. Speaking of tattoos. Oh, yeah. Speaking of tattoos, I wanted to talk to you because Shelby and I were talking about it. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I hate the some girls idea for whatever. I don't even know exactly why she didn't like it. But she was like, I just like I'm not a fan of that. Although, you know, it's fine. Like I can get yeah. tattoos that I want. But she was just like, I don't I don't think that's that cool. And I was like, oh, well, that was kind of the only one we liked. And then it. I remembered the other day, though, that the other one you suggested that I really, really liked the idea of, which is Tumbling Dice. Yeah. And then, so was wanting to talk to you, because I was like, I don't remember where we landed on Tumbling Dice, but that was the one that I think is actually my favorite idea. Yeah. At the time, for some reason, I don't think you liked it, but... I do. Um, it's I've got like an image in my head of like I feel like you know the Friday the Thirteenth flash sheets they would always do in Missoula. Yeah. I feel like I have an image an image in my head of a design that's like that kind of style. You know, like very mm-hmm. old school flash Simple. style, yeah. but just like of a couple dice, like you know, in motion or whatever, and then just like either like written below or maybe like arced on the top and bottom kind of thing, but just tumbling dice or just, you know, down below tumbling dice. Like, cause it's like, it's the song, but then it's also just, it feels to me also like just a cool generic tattoo thing, you know, where like like someone would have dice with just like, I'm a gambler or some shit, you know, it was just like an old tattoo kind of idea. Like just the dice fall where they may kind of shit. Like, I think it's a great idea. Yeah. Um, so then we and plus text- tumbling dice is like I think by far my favorite Rolling Stone song. So it's yeah, it's it's the perfect. best one. I'm yeah. pretty sure um, one of the best ones at the very yeah, least. It's up there. You ever see anybody? I mean, besides me, with the same tattoo? Yours are pretty yes. unique. Famous? Okay. Well, not famously, but just Shelby was really skeeved out. <laughs> so when Shelby and I were like not together, but still kind of friendly. Mm-hmm. She came to town and it was right after I got the Panther, the Friday the 13th Panther. Yeah. And there was a lady, one of the like servers had it stopped me to be like, Hey, nice tattoo. And then pointed and she had it like on her neck or something, which is actually a really cool spot for it. That is, but was dope. like, Hey, great tattoo, man. Like I got the same one and it was like, Oh sweet. That's so cool. Like, and we like talked about it for a second and then left and Shelby was very like, wow, that was a whole thing. What are you getting tattoos now with ladies who work at bars and stuff, you know? And it was like, it's not, no, it was not.
yeah. That's any funny. of that. But the, the Zeppelin one is the only other one I've yeah. seen somebody else with. Yeah. Um, but it's always a little bit different because I had like somebody draw this for me, like custom, because yeah. it's got all the stuff in it. Yeah. Um, but one but time like that was, logo is is at least yeah. somewhat common. Yeah. But one guy had him on his knuckles one time, and I was like, "Oh, that's oh hey, cool. I've got the same shit." And he was like, "I'm glad you also make really bad decisions." <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, man." <laughs> yeah, on the knuckles, I, God, I want hand tattoos so bad. They're but so like, cool. The arm ones, yeah. The arm ones, I'm really cool with. I don't even like some of my tattoos, any, but it's fine. You know, it's just it melds yeah. into just being like art on your arm now, and it's mm-hmm. I don't. It doesn't matter if I don't love the specific tattoo anymore, but I feel like hands is a spot that's like visible enough where I'm like, I, it would really bug me if I yeah. didn't like it anymore. I think. Mm. So Which of I your really, tattoos do you not like anymore? I would say I like the lemon, but the lemon gets annoying comments all the time where people are always like, Oh, a lemon. And I'm like, okay, it's a lemon. Really? Like, yes. Like people really, huh. first I get a lot of like women, younger women who are just like, that is so cool. And I'm like, it's, not it's just a lemon like why is that yeah. that cool of a tattoo like I and then much just better ones you know yeah and it just it gets the most comments out of any of my tattoos and it's very weird to me because it's the smallest one and i get that it's kind of in an obvious spot but it's a fucking lemon who gives a shit yeah. the one the lemon one is the only one i will say that i'm pretty sure someone hit on me over which is like it was when i was with shelby like it was recently but it was the most extended conversation I've ever had about one of my tattoos that wasn't like, you know, some aunt being like, oh, tell me about your tattoos. What do they all mean? Nothing. Yeah. Um, no, they just look cool. Yeah, but some lady like came into my work and was like, oh my God, a lemon. That's so, is it a lemon or is it a lime? And then that started a whole conversation where I'm like, I guess a lemon, but I've never thought about it. It could be a lime. A lime would be cool. And she was like, I was just asking because limes, I'm like, my family's Egyptian or something. And she was like, limes are like really... She's like, it was some whole thing about how limes were like really special and like the juice of a lime is really, and like, but just a whole extended thing where I'm like, this seems like way too friendly and too in-depth of a conversation about just some dude's shitty tattoo Yeah. where it was like, you know, I don't know. Well, you want to start recording? Should we I mean, we're recording half an hour in? But... Yeah. I'm like tattoo talk should probably be like at the end of an episode, right? I think so. Maybe. That's kind of fun.